Hey, it's Beth here, episode 517. It's freezing in Austin. And I always brag about how I, well, it's not even bragging, about how I like cold weather, hate hot weather. It's cold. It's too cold. 20 is no fun. I don't have the uh, heater inside my body that I used to. So I'm not going to, I mean, I do hate 106, but I'm not the person I used to be. I'm not going to say that anymore. I don't like cold weather. I don't like hot weather. I like 75 degrees. I should be in California. It's too expensive. Anyway, I did the New York Times. It was great today. This woman, her name was Rosalind Wiseman. She wrote the book, The Queen Bees and Wannabes, which Tina Fey took and made into a movie, made, wrote the screenplay about it. Okay, now she's de dealing with older people because the very same problems that exist in business. But the funny thing to me is that um, Tina's got the new movie coming out and she takes 100% credit for her screenplay. Hardly a mention about this woman ever. And she was asked about it one time in an interview and she said, oh, well, uh, Paramount Pictures, uh, you know, gave it to me. I wasn't involved in any of the initial optioning of Queen Bees. I get it, Tina, but most people who use very, very heavily, because I read the book, they base the screenplay on it and they're paid to do that, give credit to the writer. She's involved at the premiere she's talked about, well, this Rosalind Wiseman went after them and said, I don't know why I'm not getting credit for any of this. She said, it just bugs me because I write books and I lecture about people giving people credit, especially women giving other women credit. And in a lot of her speeches to all these women, she says, I know you're afraid to go out there and ask for what you deserve because you might not get it and you might get denigrated. Well, that's what happened to her. And even Tina Fey's doing it. I mean, she just exactly did that to you. It's just so funny. And then it goes on. And this other woman, Charlotte E. Jacobs, this is the other thing that happened to women who, who make a big fuss. Sometimes everything they said and did and whatever they were trying to do gets denigrated and turned around and someone takes credit for it. This woman, she she deals with um, equality and she says the book is garbage and it's just written about um, white girls and there's nothing in it for anyone else. And I'm thinking, really? Hmm. I think women do this all the time. So the funny thing about this article and everything about it is that we're acting like we're getting somewhere and Rosalind Wiseman can't even get credit for the book that she wrote that started this whole thing rolling. Tina Fey could have it right next to herself when she talks about the screenplay and how very inspired she was by the book. I mean, if you read the book and you see the movie, you will see what I'm saying. And then they're saying that, you know, many years have gone by and things haven't changed that much. So we're turning it into a musical. And everyone says that it's a disappointing musical. And they don't even, when you see the previews, you don't even understand it's a musical. I'm thinking, why can't we really just talk about 
the fact that we need to share that in the movie it would be great it would be great for young women to see Tina Fey finally embracing Rosalind Wiseman and they could be in a lecture together because they're never in the same places at the same time there's a whole thing big thing about mean girls and Tina's in the movie and I get it why isn't Rosalind, Rosalind in the movie why can't she be a guidance, guidance counselor why did you have to just erase her no one does that everybody always gives accolades to the guy who wrote the book think about the color purple Alice Walker everybody while she was alive she was it so it's just funny to me how we talk about how far we've come and even in the very example of moving things forward we haven't moved anything forward this is interesting if I had if my kids were younger I would have loved this Rosalind wrote another book in 2006 and it was called Queen Bee Moms and Kingpin Dads dealing with the parents teachers coaches and counselors who can make or break your child's future it tackles PTA meet, meetings clash, clashing parent styles and all the things you have to deal with and the ways you can deal with them and the things you can say like if someone is the way you okay so if someone is in a disagreement with you and you instead of silently fuming or storming off you could say the way you are talking to me doesn't come across as if you really want to know my answer is that accurate that would be great if you had the courage to do it although what would Tina Fey do to you if someone in the meeting fails to give you proper credit which happens right Rosalind you could say I would really appreciate it if next time you didn't take my idea and promote it as your own. Maybe Rosalind should do that. Well, she tried to. And in this article, she's trying to, but no one in the world cares because they just want to think about Tina Fey, and I get that. She's cuter and younger. Okay, so then the movie comes out, and it's pretty much a remake of the last one with different characters, and this guy is being absolutely hammered for the clothes the girls are wearing. Like, that's the message? Oh my God. That the plastics, the the Santa outfit that they're wearing isn't as sexy, although we don't want to pr pr promote sexiness. It's like, this article gave me vertigo because it's saying one thing and then doing another. So every single aspect of this movie is just being, just being crazed, crazily, subjected to insanity I'm, I imagine the clothes are just fine I now this is the thing I said I wasn't gonna see any more movies but now I've got to now I've got to see this even though it's being you know treated however it's being treated and I am gonna go when young people are in the theater I'll go to um, an afternoon performance where they will be seeing it and I'll go downtown <clears throat> I want to I want to see if they laugh I want to see when they laugh you know, I missed the boat with poor things because I read the articles that said these girls were laughing. I've got to find out when. I didn't think any of it was funny. So I want to see what other people are seeing and then I will see it through my own eyes too. But these things were written for somebody, I suppose. And so anyway, then there was this really kind of sweet story in the styles section about this woman who's whose mother was an alcoholic and she went to Hazleton 
And I didn't realize that when you go to visit your mother or spouse at Hazleton, you're there for four days and you don't get to even see them until the very last day because you're working on yourself. Well, she thought her mother was amazing. The therapist said that her mother was manipulative, hostile, and uncooperative. <laughs> and she really was because she was caught. And all she could talk about was how much weight she was losing. And her sense of humor and everything was gone. And they say that is the case. She was very upset till at the very end, this is what's sweet about it. Her mother had taken some carrots from the kitchen and she took her daughter to the window of her room, opened the sliding glass door and these two fawns without a mother came and she was feeding them by hand. And she told her daughter she could do that and that they're very trusting. She tossed a handful of carrots at her gentle and her, okay, so the daughter is watching her mother with the gentleness of the gesture with these baby fawns and it bent time for her in her head. And she could see her mother cradling her babies that she hadn't had yet. She could see that that was still alive in her mother. She took that as a sign. And in that very moment, she softened towards, towards her mom. And she could see the future and the future actually came true. She would be to her grandchildren, the mother she had been before she started drinking. And that was the only time that she came back into her old self. But the daughter could see it while she was feeding the fawns. I just think that's like super. Okay, then there was this article, I mean obituary, a really good one. This woman died at 100. Her name is Alice Mason. Okay, she was, she became the realtor to all the richest people in the country. Everybody wanted to, to move to 70, 740 Park, which was the most beautiful, richest building, most exclusive building in the world where the Rockefellers and the Bouviers lived. Okay, if you weren't in New York's older hierarchy, one of the oldest and richest families you couldn't get into this building. She figured out a way to get rich new people in. Like there was a fashion mogul. He wanted to get in. He had to donate $10 million to the Metropolitan Museum. He didn't care. He had it. He had to be in this building. And he had to be in the building for many reasons. Most of them related to his work. This woman married three times. She Her parties were... If you got invited to her parties, you had to go. Everyone did. And, you know, re reluctantly, because it was always mandatory, she had nine parties a year, quite a few people there, and you had to show up. So people came reluctantly, but they came. So there was one man who came to most of the parties because his name was Christopher Mason. He was no relation. He came because he had nonstop antidotes that were so funny. So he was a reliable dinner partner. So he went year after year after year. One of his stories is so great. One night stood out for him out of all the parties. He went to like a hundred of them over like 25 years. He was seated in the den at a table with Klaus von Bülow, 
the Danish-born man about town who had been acquitted on appeal of trying to murder his wife, the heiress Sonny von Bulow. Okay, remember Jeremy Irons played him, and he was fantastic. Philip Johnson, the modern architect, was there. Agnes Gund, a huge art patron. And Klaus just sits back in the chair, and he goes, and he looks around the table, and he goes, isn't New York extraordinary? Isn't it absurd? What are we all doing here, dressed in black tie, at the home of a realtor? It was when Mr. Johnson answered, oh, it's very simple. I'm here because I'm a famous architect. Christopher's here because he writes about famous people. Aggie is the president of Momo. And you're here because you're a famous murderer. There was a huge silent pause, even at the other table in the other room. And then Mr. Von Bulow roared with laughter and the conversation moved on. Okay, the interesting thing about this woman is that she was a black woman from a small town in the South. And her family, she was born Alice Christmas on October 26, 1923 in Philadelphia to a bourgeois family of color. As she wrote in, in her memoir, her father, Lawrence, was a dentist and her mother was a housekeeper. I mean, she took care of her own home. In Alice's telling, the family was so light-skinned that they were known as the White Christmases. She, her mother said, you're going to cross over, I need you to, send her to Colby College. And it was her race-conscious mother who decided that Alice should pass and live her life in the white world. So as not to face the era's prejudices towards people of color, her mother arranged a marriage with a lighter-skinned cousin named Joe Christmas. Okay, that did not last. She changed her name. This is the best part. She christened herself Alice F. Mason. Alice F. Mason. She did that because she loved the character James Mason. And she got the F in there and it stood for Fluffy. A nickname given to her by Mr. Mrs. Van, Mr. Vanderbilt because she was anything but Fluffy. It was also a potent combination of numerology that she was into. Mrs. Mason's Secret came out in 1999 when she had family ties to this book that came out called Our Kind of People. And it made absolutely no difference. Everybody loved her so much and they were happy. She was happy the secret finally came out. She closed her real estate firm when she was 86 years old because the rich no longer needed her specialized knowledge. Park Avenue, with its fussy, archaic rules, had been taken over by glitzy new condos, and the only entry you needed was money. She never left her rent-controlled, rent-stabilized apartment where she held her storied dinners in the century-old building on East 70, 72nd Street. In Manhattan, real estate parlance, it was a classic eight. That's what it was, a classic eight, which means gracious pre-war layout that included three bedrooms and two maids rooms. In 2001, the, the developer, Harry McAlow, bought the building 
for $70 million and began to turn the units into condos. She refused to leave. She was in her 90s. What could he do? When she moved there in 1962, the rent was $400 a month. At her death, it was $2,400 a month. The apartment below her in the same line was recently on the market for $10 million. Now that woman, that needs to be a story. She's glamorous. She's gorgeous. She's, she married this guy named Jan Schumer. She married three times. And she said, she said that the briefest marriage was to the Schumacher guy and it lasted three months. The second guy that she married, she had a daughter with this one and his, he was from France and he came to America and he started, his name was France, Richard, Francis Richard. He moved to New York to open the Berlitz language school. She had a daughter with that one and he gave her a lot of money, but she ran out of money. And what she did was she played gin rummy for money and it kept her going. When all of the real estate stuff went to, went to pot, she still made money playing gin rummy, even in her nineties. I'm telling you this woman, there should be a movie about this woman. There are so many gorgeous actresses that could play her. I could think of five. This was a story and the time and the dinners. What a great American movie that would make. Oh my God. Friends with Jimmy Carter, friends with Clinton, Gore, pictures with her, with everyone wanted to come to her dinner parties and no one knew the secret. I just, I love it. And the gin rummy, I love it. Okay, so there's a new comedian in the world. And I was like, oh yeah, really? Her name is Taylor Tomlinson. She's hilarious. She's only 30 years old. She wrote this stuff about moms. She said that she has a really hard time dating and she can never have a one night stand because she has such a round face. And a round face is, um, all the guys are like, oh, she looks like she would be better having dinner and meeting your mother than having sex with. So all the guys are like, no, I really want you to meet my mom. So she meets all these moms and <laughs> the guys can't help it. They, they, fall in love with her and they like her so much that they can't even have sex with her anymore. And all they want to do is I want, I want you to meet my mom. So she meets all these moms and they love her. And she did have a crush on one guy. And the mom said to her, listen, this guy you're in love with reminds me of my husband. Now I'll admit I'm a bad wife and I'm a bad mom, but I'm a great friend. Get out. I just, anyway, she's funny and she's really, really cute. And she has a, she has a show on at night. So you'll have to check her out or your daughters will Taylor Tomlinson. She's not dirty. She's not ugly. I mean, ugly in a mean, like derogatory way. She's self-effacing, which I appreciate. And she's really sort of sweet about guys. So I think she's okay. So then we've got this new thing, Gucci, Gucci CEO. He's not doing very well. So he wants to re-enervate, reacquaint himself with older, richer customers. I'll tell him how to do it. Make handsomer, better clothes, better material, and get rid of this skimpy look. 
And then there's a section where they say, if you have a Burberry raincoat from the 80s, where it, they were beautifully made, perfect for every era. And I knew that. And I led mine to my mother and she left it on the plane from China. Oh, and I still loved it. It was gorgeous and it was warm and you could take the warm thing out, but it was, it was the best, best garment I ever owned. So I, I was close to having it all. I did have it all, but I only had it all for a year or two. So that's a drag. And to get one now, forget it. They're outrageous. You can't even find them. Okay. So Beverly Johnson is doing a one woman play on Broadway right now. She, she broke the mold for herself. She, she was raised in a really nice family in Buffalo. She went to New York. She, she was with the Ford modeling agency and she told Eileen Ford, I want to be on the cover of Vogue. I went to the Ford modeling agency and she, I got through, I had an appointment. I was going to do advertising modeling. This is before my father lost everything like marshmallow meatloaf balls, something like that. Anyway, I got really thin and I was told to go to meet Eileen Ford. I go in, I've got an appointment. I walk in, she says, you have beautiful legs, exquisite eyes, but the roundest face I've ever seen. I should have said something back because Beverly did. She, she yelled at her back when she said something like, no way it's gonna work. And she said, who do you think you are, Cleopatra? And Beverly said, yes, I do think I'm Cleopatra. I should have, I should have had a voice, but I didn't. And I was, I was, I was bulimic at the time. And I was also crying my eyes out because I was leaving New York. I should have just told her I'm an insecure person who's being abandoned by the city and life itself. I thought I was going to die. Maybe I would have gotten somewhere and she would have let me clean her house or something. Anyway, Beverly, it's all about that. Now the sad part is I'm reading and I'm, I'm like worshiping her. And then I find out that she was also doing cocaine, which a lot of people do, but she lost custody of her daughter as a like toddler. And she didn't get her back till her teen years. I'm like, Oh my God, I would have. So I don't want to see the play anymore because I just don't know how you could keep going if you lost your toddler completely 100% gone, not, not able to see. I would stop doing cocaine. I know it, or I'd die trying. So she was my hero for a little while. She definitely gave Eileen Ford a run for her money. And then the other thing is Eileen's like, Oh God, okay, I'll take you. She quits the Ford agency. This is in the seventies. There was no other agency. There was nothing but her. If you were in with her, you didn't budge. She told Eileen what to do and when to do it, walked out the door, and within six months, she was on the cover of Vogue. Just such a confident person. So anyway, and she still looks great, which is amazing. Okay, there is a New York professor. I can't believe this is happening. He's waging a battle against rats attacking his car. Oh, I'm going to be having nightmares about this. 
So he's been, he's put minty, minty tape around his, his outside of his car. He's doused it with garlic scented potions on the engine. He does everything he can think of and they're still finding their way in. Irish spring soap. I mean, there are like all these things to do. None of them are working. And I think the only thing that's going to work is that you burn your car down, which he's getting to that point. And then this other, but there is one, this, this man keeps his engine open because they are going in there because it's warm. And I do remember that as a kid, that sometimes kittens, if you came home at night from work, would find their way into your engine because it was very, very warm and they loved it. So every morning, if you were a really good dad, like my dad, you would check to make sure that the rats weren't there. Oh my gosh. So then these people say um, that you can pee around your car. I don't think you can do that in parking lots where this guy's parking his car at universities. I think that is not going to work. You can spray ammonia near your tires, place dryer sheets under the hood, and none of this is going to work. In a few weeks, you're going to set your car on fire and that's going to work. So that was the worst thing I ever read. And I hate to leave you on that note, but this is it. I'm trying to find gratitude in my life and it's freezing right now. And you know, it's just January and I hate January. And then it's going to be February and I hate February more than January. And I'm not going anywhere like on a trip or anything. It's real dull right now, which is okay because it's uh, Arctic blast and everything. And I'm calming down, but I finally found something to be grateful for. I have never had a rat in my car. And this woman wrote and she said, the rats are actually, oh my gosh, it gives me, ugh, in your car. I guess I wouldn't, I, I would be very upset if they were in my engine. But if, if I'm on a highway and I see a rat or feel a rat crossing over my feet while I'm driving my car, I will scream and I will crash into a brick wall. That is what I will do. I will do that. I hate rats especially the brown and the gray and the greasy ones. I don't even like it when people have rats for a pet. I think it's, that's the dumbest idea in the whole world. I don't care if they're smart. I don't like them, but if they were inside my car, we had a rat in the wall last year, behind the wall, way behind the wall. I couldn't sleep until it was gone. And when you see one rat or you hear one rat going like, like that, it's not one rat. It's a lot of rats. So some of these people have rats inside their car while they're driving their car because now they're coming inside the car because there's heat. You put the heater on. Oh my God, I can't live like that. So my gratitude, and it's huge, is I have never had a rat in my car. I never even thought a rat could be in my car. And it happens to a lot of people. So I'm very, very grateful extremely grateful and I will remain grateful so that no rats will enter my car. I'm going to keep this, this karma going karma. I need it 
no rats in my car because I will never stop being grateful that there are no rats in my car. That simple, that good. That's all I got. But I'm saying and so happy that I have never experienced a rat inside my car while I was driving. That's beautiful. So that's what I have and I will be back. Thanks.